Are you ready, Steve? I, I think I am. You are. I won't know until you dive into it. Okay. Whether I'm ready. All right. Here we go. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Network. This is back to you with the trifecta of podcasters. I guess that's what we are. Howard Sudbury, Steve Baskerville, and Alyssa Ali. Hi, Alyssa. How you doing? She's not, she's, not what, what she's, she's not here this week. What? She's having a baby within a month, so yeah, we gave yeah. her a break this week. Okay. But we'll give her some grief. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I want to know what you think the chances are that Alyssa will name the baby Herman. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. I guess Herman what? isn't a real baby-sounding name, you know. Baby Herman. Do you think it's in right now? No. I mean, there are no, I mean, the you know, I'm styles saying, of names come and go. You could make it that, but my first name is Herman. Yes. And I think my mother probably threw the Steve in there because Stevie, as a baby, sounds, that's, you know, that's a little more, that's sweet. Little baby Stevie, not little baby Herman. <laughs> so the, my family uses Stevie, and I'm assuming you were little Howie. I was. You were. I was little Howie. In yeah. fact, my family, they still call me that. Seriously? I mean, not, little, some, not little. Well, <laughs> they can't possibly they take a look at you. They don't call you little Howie They anymore. take it easy. All right, relax. Yeah. What, uh, when do, what age did you stop being Howie? Um, to, well, most, to most to, people. To, I mean, most of my friends still call me that. Really? I mean, I mean older, older friends. I mean, when I went on television, I changed it to yeah. Tom Howard first. We've been through that before. <laughs> hey, you know, this is uh, kind of a milestone show. I, I was listening to another podcast recently, Mark Maron, and he did his thousandth. Yeah. And I believe Losano and Friends has done 115, 116 ballpark. Right. Okay. Yes. So I was going to call Tony, our executive producer, and ask him to do, put together this week instead of us doing another show a best of really? because this is our fifth. Yeah. Well, wh wh what is the plan to do these quarterly? <laughs> you know, one you with spring show, this and then is our we'll do a summer one and a winter one. This is our fifth. And How many? Did you think we would make it to five? Well, I was hoping we'd make it all the way through the first one, <laughs> and we successfully did that. Um, no, I am pleasantly surprised. It must be because of the facilitator that we have, the one that sits Thank in the pilot seat. Thank you. That's where I love this seat. Yeah. Can I, am I a friend enough now to call you Howie? Uh, you said only yeah. the friends called you Howie. Yeah, you can call me Howie. Okay, all right. Yeah. All right, I'll, um, let me think about so it. So in doing our preparation for this show, which is, you know, we do quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I send Steve some notes. We talk. We think about things we might kick around. Um, why don't you tell them the first thing that I put on your note, and it made you a little nervous about this show. Well, look, anything that somebody <laughs> sends you and and they say, I've got a rundown of what I think the show should be this week. Yes. And the first two words on the top line are small talk. <laughs> No, I'm not that confident after I see small talk as that I've where the thought show about, is going. That I've thought about anything. Yeah, how heavy has the thought been? You know what? I, I, this isn't a gripe, but since we're talking about communicating during the week, yes. you do something that, that sounds, I guess, uh, I guess, let me I stop guess you you're for aware second. of it. What? Let me what? stop. This what? sounds like a gripe. I, so, so, it may, but it may end up continue. sounding like a gripe. But anyway, you're one of those people when you call the person... And they say, yeah, okay, oh, let me call you right back. I got to do something. Let me call you right back. Now, to me, right back means maybe two minutes later at tops. Mm -hmm. Let me call you right back. You could take anywhere from an hour to a couple days later to call back. Yes. Is that right back? It is to me. It's what, back, back to I you. Just, I, <laughs> I just want to know what happens when right back turns into... Three hours later, let's say. Well, I think it varies. I could um, get a more interesting phone call. <laughs> I think that could be part of it. That's impossible. But keep going. <laughs> what else? Uh, I could get hooked watching a show. Okay. And that would be more important than whatever it was and, I had to and, deal and, with. And what you would think is that I probably forgot that I was talking to you all together, yes, right? Yes, that's right. Because you think I'm soft-headed. Well... <laughs> 
That's why we call you Howie, Howard, or Tom. Whatever you li- you will listen to, we'll, we know we can call you. How was the drive down here? See, I this is so crazy. I drive out of my way to meet Steve, who drives out of his way yeah, to get to a meeting idiotic. place to drive to the city. I drive. So we both. I, why? Uh, that, by the but way, well, that's the last time I'm doing that. I will drive a half hour to the west of where I live yes. just to park my car and get in your car and then come down here. And, Doesn't make any sense. And what what was the ride like today? And the and it's tense the whole time. <laughs> it's, I'm not a bad driver. I've never seen anyone where we're in traffic because it's a weekend that we're we're coming down here and uh in the cars all around us and for some reason you keep going as the car in front of you is braking and it, and there's not and it's not that he's texting you're not texting you're not talking on the phone you're not looking at a GPS you're just listening to me talk and that's distracting it is distracting if but you I can mean, be that happened. distracted just by conversation i'm it's not just kidding frightening you i'm to not be in kidding a car you. he was you. genuinely scared at one point today well the car in front of me brake well, put the brakes on well, i don't want to be in a car and and hear <laughs> when your car is doing that you know you're too close to something horrific happening so you, I've changed my mind. I'm driving myself the next time, wherever I go. Would you say I have road rage? That involves you. That I, you. I will meet you there. Do I have road rage? Yeah. Well, would you it, say? No, you make others all around you get road rage. <laughs> You're okay. It's the, from the passenger to every other car that surrounds you. We're freaking out. See, this really it makes me mad because it, it paints me as a bad driver. I'm a good driver. Well, you're just mind, nervous. You you're are. just a nervous Nelly. That's all. How'd you know my name was Nelly? <laughs> they used to call me Nelly. Yeah. Herman Nelly. Herman Nelly. Herman Stephen Nelly. Basketball. No, you're. That's a nice you, ring to it. You're really nervous the entire ride down. Sure. I just because I don't like being a passenger. I, I the bottom line is I probably am most comfortable driving myself somewhere. I, I'm that way. And you want to be in, in control lift, in lift cars and Ubers and taxis. I like to have my own destiny in my hands, except you know, when I'm flying. Yes. Well, we're both going to be flying this month. And I was, were you relieved when they decided to park those 737s? Well, sure. Because it, uh, I don't like any doubt about anything concerning air travel because I'm a nervous flyer. I Not as too. bad as you are. You are much worse than I am. Well, I've improved a lot, but I mean, years ago, and I had to travel for work all over the place. I had to fly, and I never wouldn't go anywhere. Wouldn't you know? Cancel a vacation because I was afraid to fly. But I mean, at you know six o'clock in the morning when the flight attendant would be coming down the aisle with the beverage cart, I would say, <laughs> "Could I have two screwdrivers?" And, and not the kind to help fix the plane. Uh, you no. Know, and, okay. and, and when you look at her and she gives you that look and you say, well, I'm really That's afraid crazy. to fly. She says, yeah, right, buddy. That's pretty yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. The sun's not even up and this man's asking for. Hard, so that's how bad things. I was. It, t- it took that to take the edge off. So I hated to fly, but I've I've gotten better. But I mean, millions and millions and millions of people are afraid to fly. Yeah. Well, I. I would. I'm one of those more relieved that we're not taking a suspect plane and putting it in the air. So, I'm I'm relatively comfortable as long as the guy up there sitting in the chair's got a uniform on and one of those nice hats. I feel much better. I have friends who fly who have learned to fly on their own, taking flying lessons, and I've told them there's not a chance I'll get in the sky with you. I don't care what certificate you show me. You won't even get in a car with me. So if I take <laughs> flying lessons, I know you're not going. That's a good idea. I might have to see your papers the next time I get in the car. I won't fly in a plane with a propeller. Yeah, I've been, there's been I one, have, one time I was in a plane that was so small where the pilot had to walk out and tell you what to do. Yeah. That's, that's a tiny plane. <laughs> I mean, there's no, forget a flight attendant. He's like, folks, it's me and you and... <laughs> Let's all keep our fingers crossed. What about helicopters? I have been in a helicopter. I, you know what? I, have you been in a blimp? I have been in a blimp. No, on two but occasions. I, really? Yes. What was that like? One, and, and it was in New York City, Fourth of July, flying across a Statue of Liberty. Amazing, you know, a, a, for the history of the day. Uh, how many people were, were watching us as we were in the sky? Comfortable ride. 
didn't realize the pilot is doing a lot of pedaling, a lot of foot action, really. That's really true. <laughs> they, they are. It's hard work to be, at least that was the impression I got, harder work being a pilot in a blimp. Than well, I've read that a blimp is one of the safest uh, aircrafts. They're very safe. Yeah, I had no fear. Except the Hindenburg. The only, well, the, 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 that wasn't the, rough, a... the rough part is landing, or the most interesting part, I'll, I'll put it that way, because it involves like seven or eight people and ropes and trying to, to guide you down, there, and, and you're hoping you're not going to drift off to Oz or something. <laughs> you asked me. Then you realize what, uh, how impressive the work is to get it done. To use a word that we all used like when we were five years old, he asks me things like, um, are you a security cat? <laughs> don't ah, you? Don't well, you? Yeah, and you, you are. like a security you're, cat sometimes. I do. He's a scuredy cat. But I, you're yeah. scared of everything. I'm scared of any animal that's not on a leash. Is that crazy? <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and you're talking about today, Bob, going on a safari. No, I said that... Uh, there was yes, uh, you an interesting trip. Yes, you, you forgot that you I was said advised it of in, uh, that's coming up uh, to go to South Africa, and one uh, you're visiting some of the Mandela's uh, friends and associates, uh, and it was describing the trip and some of the I won't call them adventures until you get to the last day, and there's a campsite at a safari, and I said that to you, and you sort of went crazy thinking that you couldn't handle that. There's no way I would go on a safari. I don't have any interest in... Well, what? You, but your fear is the fear of the animals getting you, right? Is yeah, that a lion. That's, that's my fear, a lion or a rhino or whatever's out there that you're going to see. Let's see, I'm just as afraid of going to Florida and a, and a gator <laughs> coming out and getting me. I don't like... There's a great story I heard about Arizona... And I don't know if it's myth or lore or what. Let me be the judge of great, but once but again, continue. Listen to it. There's this, uh, uh, they, they warn you not to take cacti out of the wild and take them home. They don't want you to do that. And there may even be a law regarding that. Do not pick up a cactus and take it home. And this woman who was new to that part of Arizona took the cactus out in the wild that she liked, a great big one about three or four feet high, near Phoenix, and uh, took it home and took care of it for about a month or, or so. And then one day while her husband was at work and she was there at home, she kept hearing this ticking, like a tick, 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 and couldn't find the, the <laughs> noise. What was the tick, 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 tick? And she's looking and she says, I think it's coming from the cactus. Tick, 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 tick. And she calls... Animal control. I think she called a florist or some. Or she called somebody, and they said that's who you call. It's a well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> call a florist when something's ticking in your cactus. I don't know what you. Who knows? Maybe they picked up a ticking cactus. A ticking cactus. That's a ticking cactus, man. Uh -huh. Those are rare. Well, anyway, she called whomever she talked to. Said, "Get out of the house now, right now. Don't even. Don't move toward the the plant." It is in the plant, but get out. Rattlesnake. No. She races outside, and I don't think, I don't know if she heard another noise, but what happened was that the cactus exploded, and you had all these spiders. Oh, really? That were everywhere, on the wall, the carpet. carpet. Wow. Just, uh, I don't know want to make them black widow spiders, but there were some spider. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is at that point, but. That was part of the problem. From what was the bringing, ticking? Uh, just about to hatch, and and sort of <laughs> make room for all of these spiders. Now I don't who, know. Who told you this story? Well, it's a. <laughs> who are you hanging around with? I saw it on FX. Oh, no, I, look, I, that the story was told to me, and <laughs> it is enough. And you bought it? Uh, yeah, I bought the javelinas too. You know what javelinas are? Um, javelinas are wild pigs. Oh, I think they're wild, but in Arizona, I guess parts of Texas, Southwest, you get these roaming bands of javelina at night, and they're looking for something to eat, and they're kicking over garbage pails and things like that. Well, you know, in the Phoenix area, I went out there for spring training for Channel 2 for years and years and years, and, and you know, people are living out on the edge of the desert now, yeah. and, you know, they've got... Uh, 
you know, rattlesnakes to deal sure. with and javelinas and, sure. and all that. I don't sure. want any of that wild, no. wild kingdom stuff. No. So I don't have to go on a safari to find stuff to be afraid of. I'm ticking plants, all that stuff to keep me away from it. So I guess it is being a little bit of a scary. See, cat. the scaredy cat thing is that you won't sit out on your patio at night in the summertime because you're afraid like a skunk is looking at I, you. I look, That's what you always tell me. Look, I learned more about skunks within the last couple of years. Skunks, I used to think, would sort of disappear as the, winter, as the weather got colder in the winter. Skunks are not seen before the sun goes down. All those sort of myths about how skunks behave. First of all, it's been a cold February night. I've seen a skunk trotting across the yard. Before the sun goes down, I saw on an, uh, another occasion a skunk sort of sashaying by. And see, they're fearless. They know I'm afraid of them. <laughs> so they just sort of parade through. If I, I don't know what it is about a skunk. It, I, I, can't, I can't take it. Just to, I can look at a skunk on the, in the Internet, and it will frighten me. Have you seen coyotes in your neighborhood? Yes. They're all around Chicago. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful red fox I saw in the snow on a winter's night. Beautiful. I wasn't afraid of that. So you don't go outside. You, just go straight, you go straight to your car, don't you? Sure. I don't mess around out there with, with hey, animals. Let, let me tell everybody that you can listen, subscribe, rate back to you on... Tell me one of the places, Steve. What is this, a test every week for me? Just, just one. Just, There's a long list. It's radiomisfits.com. Is, I was going to say that. It's the home, but yes. where else? I'm not taking your test. I get enough notes from you during the week just to, that I don't come in here for quizzes. iTunes. Is he right? <laughs> Spotify. iHeart. Google Play. One more. Stitcher. You keep this up. I'm going to the bar. That's what I'm going to be saying soon. One more. Tune in. Give me one more. Hey, we were talking about Alyssa earlier having her baby. Have you yeah. heard of a push present? Was, did that exist when your kids were born? I have no, what is a push present? It's a gift that a husband gives to his wife when she has the baby after going through labor. And she was talking this week about uh, wanting, debating whether she wanted another Louis Vuitton bag. And it's very, very expensive. And I was just going to ask you, have you ever bought anything that you would consider really extravagant, paid too much for, uh, had buyer's remorse? Sure. Um, like? Well, there, I've done some embarrassing things in terms of um, getting cornered enough to spend more than I wanted to spend. I'll put it that way. And then not getting the value out of what I paid. Years ago, I went to a preview party for the opening of a shoe boutique. <laughs> now, whenever you hear boutique, yes. that lets you know this is not going to be DSW or Shoe Mart or something like that. This is going to boutique. Yes. And it was on Oak Street. Now, Oak Street in Chicago, you will find very fancy places that sell clothes, restaurants that are very elegant and upscale, and places for entertainment, the same thing. So it's in that Oak, uh, Oak Street neighborhood where I go to this. And it's for, and it's geared to, it was geared to athletes. It was, it was, the intention was to have shoes with style for hard to fit guys who are looking for, Shoes and, and basketball players, for sure, have that problem. Artist Gilmore and some other guys were involved in opening this store, and Artist Gilmore was a very famous bull and uh, one of the all-time great centers in the NBA. So, so he was a partner in the store. He was one of those partnered uh -huh. in making this thing happen. I get invited, not don't remember how, but somehow I get invited. I'm going to this party that's in the shoe store. And when you're around guys who are professional athletes, you start to, you know, my walk. Act change, like them? Yes. I changed my <laughs> walk and I'm, you know, I, I, I got real macho all of a sudden. And, uh, and they were all looking at me like, why is he acting like that? 
Who is that guy anyway? Look we, at, we go to the, we, we're in the boutique. And I'm talking size, you know, they're saying, does this come in a size 16? And I'm like, well, I think we have something that small. <laughs> these shoes were huge for, for these players. And I think the cutoff was like 10 and a half, 11. That's what yeah. I wore. So I'm in there, and I got a cocktail, and we're walking around. And the intention is that you're at this party, but it's also a chance to sell these shoes. So I, I go up to a, a shelf, and I see a beautiful pair of rust-colored suede shoes. Like, wah, glowing. And, and <laughs> my, you know, I get my sunglasses out. I'm looking, these shoes are lovely. And the, somebody beside me said, man, you should get those shoes. I see the way you're looking at them. I was like, yeah, I should get these shoes, shouldn't I? So, and, and others are buying shoes. They're just grabbing shoes. Is this coming to 14? And these are athletes that, you know, in television, you make a pretty good living, but it's not like I'm professional not making, athletes. I'm not making that money. No. That, you know, where you're just grabbing a shoe and right. saying, does this come in my side? Right. But something overcame me. I grabbed the shoe and I said, can I get this in a 10 and a half? And sure, we can, sir. So we, I go to the counter to pay for the shoes and the guy rings the shoes up and when he told me the price I slumped <laughs> I fell to one knee I didn't totally pass out but I fell to a knee and you know, people around you okay you alright I, I can't turn back now it's too embarrassing to say I don't want them I said are you sure and he said yes I'm sure and I got a credit card out and I was started to cry. <laughs> I gave the and? cashier. It was, that's what was embarrassing. I was actually tearing up. They were so expensive. <laughs> and how and much? I gave I, too much. Way too much. Hundred and a half. To tell you what it was. You, you, I got how much? Gotta yeah, know. you got to tell it. It's a, I, you just told a twenty-minute story. You got to. <laughs> <laughs> you got to, you've got to give the punchline, and it's probably right, not true. Say, yeah, it is probably not this true. This is part of that small no, talk. From that me, I, I that's, so this is where the small talk comes in. Now I understand. So how much? Well, I want to know what was too Pushing much like for you. Pushing like six hundred bucks, something you like could, that. You could spring for that. Not look. These were hey, I can't. My spring was sprung. When I heard it, it was 600 bucks for a pair of shoes. Are you <laughs> Did serious? Did you tell your wife? Well, we'll get to that later. Okay. So I... Oh, the story continues. I <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break what? now for a word from our sponsor, and Steve will continue. I, I scratched that word small out and made it tall talk. <laughs> yeah. Tall talk. So I, get, so I get the shoes reluctantly. I buy these shoes, and I'm, what did I do? And I go home with them, and I baby them. I look at them, I put them on a shelf. I can't ever think of a reason to wear them because they're so nice. $600. Yes. That's the reason. I, I can need a night that's awful special for these shoes. So I baby them. One month goes by, I go by, and I, you know, every, I look, in the, look at them in the closet and I look at those shoes, those rust colored, woo, suede shoes. <laughs> Still can't think of a reason to wear them. A whole half year goes by or so. And I realize, why am I saving these shoes? I got to wear these shoes. And I think I was going to wear them to work one day. I put the shoes on, and guess what? They didn't fit anymore. <laughs> they did not fit oh. anymore. Isn't that horrible? Do you still have them? Of course I still have them. Do you? How does the guy? Well, these shoes, are, they're never going to fit again. Because your feet change, you know, over a course of time, like a year later, two years later. You don't have the same size necessarily. The bottom line is, folks, anybody who thinks that they're saving clothes for special occasions or saving a shirt that you like, wear it now. Put it on now and wear it. There's no such thing as for the right time to wear it. You know what, Tony, Chris, you know what he is? A that guy right cat. there, what? you're a security cat. You're a flipper. <laughs> you're a flipper, too. You know what a flipper is? He is a flipper, aren't you? Well, I became a flipper after that. I'd never known what a flipper was. You ever heard of a flipper? There was, a, now, I obviously did not do any flipping when I went in the shoe boutique. Nobody in there was. That's why I didn't. That's how I got caught, paying too much money. Uh, there was a, a guy that we used to work with who was in security, he was a security guard, but he also worked at a shoe store. One of those, like Cole Hahn or some shoe store. And, he, and when he saw me one day, he just out of the blue, he said, 
he was going to work later on that that evening and said, hey, man, I can tell by the way you walk, <laughs> you're not a flipper. And I said, what in the world is a flipper? He said, no, I can tell you style. You're not a flipper. When At the shoe store, we love guys like you to come in because you don't flip. I said, what's flipping? He said, when you look at the shoe and you turn it over to see the price on the back of the shoe, we call that flipping. And when we see somebody come in and the first thing they do is flip, we know they're not going to buy it. They're not serious <laughs> about buying the shoe. Now, see, I think that everybody in the world from Bill Gates on down when you look at a pair of shoes in the yeah. shoe store, don't you flip? Do you flip, Tony? Yes. Chris, do you flip it? Yeah. Yeah. But there, I, uh, of course I'm a flipper. I learned, sure, I'm going to be a flipper. But see, I got caught up at that boutique in the moment of trying to blend in, and uh, I would have been the only one flipping in, in that room. Because they're just so. getting them like shopping carts Right, full. they're like, yeah, does this come in a brown and a black? Yeah, get me the blue, too. And they're just getting three and four pairs of shoes without it, flipping once. It reminds me in the late 80s, 87, 88, I was in Detroit. The Bulls were playing there. And Michael Jordan, we're in the locker room after the game, and I walked up to him and to do an interview. And uh, I said, man, that's a beautiful suit you got. And he said, uh, yeah, yours is nice, too. And I was really took that as a compliment. And he said, uh, where'd you get it? And I named the store that yeah. you and I used to go to. Right. And he said, you still get your stuff there? <laughs> and I asked him where he got his. And he said, I got a guy that cuts it up for me. Sure. And he said, uh, I can g give you his number. You can call him. This was in the 80s. How much do you think it was? Oh, boy. What, the, the suit? Yeah, his suit. Uh, what, three thousand? Yes, exactly. Three thousand. Yeah, it was. Sure. It was three thousand yeah. dollars. So just think what I mean. A three thousand dollars suit today is an expensive suit. Oh sure. Back then, of course, it was going to be even. But then he, he, thought, then he looked so at he you. just assumed that that you know I could get one cut up for three thousand and. And then he looked at your shoes and said, "Uh oh, <laughs> this dude's a flipper." What's the most? <laughs> what's the most you would pay for a pair of shoes, right now? Uh, maybe two fifty, maybe. Oh, you're squeaky. <laughs> what? That's you a are great squeaky. pair of shoes. It is. What if you really? What if you were on vacation maybe. and you saw a pair that was like four, four hundred? No, please. No, no way. I was in. Took a trip to uh, California just to check out the uh, Beverly. A hill scene, my wife and my daughter and I. I just wanted to see what it was all about. So we go, first of all, we go and we stay at a pretty cool hotel that was in Beverly Hills called the Avalon. And I think it had to do, it was a place where Marilyn Monroe had made it famous. Hmm. The, the interior was designed in the, six, uh, the, the flavor of the 60s, so it looked like you were stepping back in the time. And, and it was only two floors or so. On the edge of Rodeo Drive, you know, in that area. And I said, well, let me check this out. And so we went, and, and I rented like a Ford or a Buick. I can't remember what it was that I rented. And I, I get to the hotel, and there's one night where this guy is just arguing. He's got his date, and he's just arguing, and arguing with a concierge about something. And they're looking through a big book to find whatever they're looking for. And I asked one of the bellboys or someone, hey, what's going on over there? What's happening? He said, well, that guy can't find the right car to go out in tonight. And I said, what do you mean with the right car? He said, oh, yeah. He can't be seen in certain cars, <laughs> like the one you've got, <laughs> when he goes out tonight. And I realized that everybody there is trying to impress. And it's a very, it, my experience was a very different scene. I couldn't imagine dealing with things like that every day but he had to have the right look i, I went to the ivy restaurant you ever heard of the ivy yes. i think the ivy was was a restaurant that was in a steve martin movie la story i don't know if you ever saw that. i remember anyway, the movie yeah but they would meet there that's where the producers and directors and writers and you know talent get together and discuss projects and so I just went to the Ivy, got a reservation at the Ivy, and I roll up in my Buick, 
<laughs> and the guy at the valet looked at me like, you have got to be kidding. <laughs> you got to be out of your mind if you think I'm jumping in there in that thing and parking it. Because the valet didn't even drive a Buick. No, everything and is just so wrong high with pro profile and so... Hollywood. Hollywood that it was funny. It became laughable to me. Uh, speaking of uh, looking funny in something like a Buick in, at the, pulling up to the Ivy, um, we were talking the other day uh, about like age-appropriate clothing and, and stuff. What do you think the age, the cutoff is to wear a jersey? Nothing wrong game. with wearing a jersey, but you mean with another man's bat, name on your back? Yes. Yes, I've to heard, a game. I've I mean, heard, you, do, 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 you, do you look ridiculous game, when you're 35 no. or 40 or I, like our yes. age? Would you look ridiculous wearing a jersey to a game? I heard a guy in conversation that I wasn't in say that to somebody else one day. I'm putting a, another man's name on my back. <laughs> and when he phrased it like that, I realized that I guess it does look odd. What's the cutoff? I don't think. Look, I would put a jersey with another man's name on my back if it was an old school jersey. If it was a player that I liked from years ago, not playing now. Ernie Banks or. Yeah, Ernie Banks or uh, any other uh, player from the 60s or the 50s that's part of the. I'd wear a Jim Brown jersey. But I'm not going to put In on. In public? A, sure. With. And that same guy was like, he's got another man's name on his back. No, but I would, I would do it that way. I think something seems a little odd when you're 60 and you got, you know, uh, a current player's name on your back. Something seems odd. You know, when I left Channel 2, when I got fired. Okay, let's, let's get real. <laughs> just, let's clarify Let's get that. real. <laughs> you yeah. yeah, when you left, when you quit... They had a big party and stuff for you, didn't they? <laughs> Our circumstances were totally different. They really were. They, they were. And I went out celebrating. Yes. And folks gathered around. Well, I celebrated too, but. I know. but <laughs> I, I know you did. But it was a different, you know, because it was a different way of leaving the station. I left because I said, I'm, I'm leaving. How did you leave? Well, uh, the day before. Somebody said, you're leaving. <laughs> The year before was my 25th year, and I think I got a really expensive watch. And they said, you know, thank you very much for all your years of service. Then the next year, the day before, my contract was up. We'd been talking a little bit, and uh, it didn't look like it was going anywhere. And anyway, so the day before, I'm, like, doing live shots yeah. from the United Center, from a Bulls game or whatever. The next day, I'm out at Bulls practice, and our producer calls and says, uh, Jeff, I think was his name, the news director, wants to see you at 1 o'clock. There had been rumors going around that morning that a bunch of people, that there was a mass firing going on. They were getting rid of a bunch of people. And she said, he wants to see you at 1 o'clock. And then she said, I'm sorry. And I said, well, that's okay. But I said, why do I have to drive down there? And she said, well, you just have to. So I drove down there. Then they take me up to the general manager's office, and you go in, and he says, uh, hey, "They take you up." Uh, Who's that? Security somebody guard. Okay, okay. All of a sudden, you're like a, you know, like a risk. Yeah, yeah. So the general manager says, uh, "Well, uh, Howard, I see you've been here 25 years." He said, uh, "It's my job to tell you that ends today." Really? Yes. Said it just like and that. And he said, "And who knows? We might call you back and uh, have you in once in a mm. while." And uh, but. Uh, Right now, you've got to pack your stuff and go. Yeah. So I signed some papers. And a guy, you remember the guy that we called the smiley face guy? Sure. There was some guy at the station that we didn't know what his job was, but I found out what it is. He escorts you down to the garage to your car. Yeah. So I walked by my office, and get, the only thing I had in there in my possession was a mug. Yeah. And I took it and left, and he walked me downstairs, and I said, why are you going with me? And he said, well, he said, it's for your protection and, our, and ours because I want to make sure that you don't slash any tires or anything on your way out. Yeah, because they're ready for you to be steaming. Yes, exactly. 
And you probably were steaming, weren't you? Well, you know what they don't know? What? I did get a tire. <laughs> I, oh, man. I, I did slash a tire. Oh, man. Yeah, he, wow. That smiley faced man. Wow. He, he, he missed that he one. He turned his back wow. at one time, and I slashed the Boy. tires of the news Wow. And, um, and yours. And mine. I was wondering what had happened to my how that happened to my car. But uh, I did give you the jersey with my name on it, so do you still wear that? So you leave like as a conquering hero, and, well, and I leave with a smiley-faced guy after signing a bunch of papers and get escorted to my car we all, and go home. We all are... Which is okay. Yeah, it's all going to end one day anyway, whatever your experience is at one of these stations. I can't imagine how much we've endured. We endured anyway. I mean, all the transformations just in your how many years did you use 25 right? 25 there yeah, yeah. that look one at, station look at all those gms you worked with and all of those news directors and just surviving any length of time yeah we called them visitors because we knew oh. that they were going to come in for two years and then they were going to get fired and sure. they all did and the tragic until thing the one is, that got me well, <laughs> he yeah. he got fired well, eventually that's the, but that's the tragic thing but Someone he, comes in on a, in a he got position me. of power for a couple of years, yeah, and then they're going to make decisions about people who have been there for decades. So this was like in 2010. So you know what I'm thinking at that point? Podcast. One day I'm going to be doing a podcast. <laughs> well, you've been and, thinking and about that for, for like I nine years? I started it then, yes. Yeah. I didn't know they had been around that long. You looked it up. Do you know how many podcasts there are, I think, in the, in the U.S.? I saw a number Do you know, Tony? Said, I saw, <laughs> I saw 600,000. 660,000 like or yeah. something like that? Yeah. So what does that say about you and your podcast? I think it says that we're cutting through and we're, really, we're near the top. We're in the top. What? Six hundred thousand. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy with but that. But the whole thing is built on uh, experiences that people have, who've worked as long as we have in this business and can relate to people. I mean, from what we've experienced, we are sitting in a place now where there's an SNL uh, exhibit that has been here, attracting lots of folks coming in to see the highlights of the years that Saturday Night Live have, have, you know, has been around. And you think of all the great performers that have been a part of it. I remember back in the day when Chevy Chase resigned or quit or left the show to go to do movies and the other original cast members left, they were sort of in a panic. What will we do to revive the show to make it uh, as strong as it's always been? We got it. I was working on a morning show in Philadelphia, and the new cast of Saturday Night Live was brought in and introduced to us. And the star of the bunch was to be a guy named Charles Rocket. I don't know if you remember that name. No. Charles Rocket was to be the new Chevy Chase. It's kind of a lean, thin guy, and he was uh, very Was that his real animated. name? Yes, Charles oh. Rocket was his name. And he had gone on to do other films because he did not work out as the new Chevy Chase. However, in the row of seven or eight performers, there was this guy on the end, this little young guy on the end who kept saying things and making everybody laugh. Uh, very animated, making faces, doing, jumping into characters. And we said, who's that guy? What's his name? They said, oh, that's Eddie. Eddie Murphy. And it turns out that hidden within the bunch was the one who was going to really be the star of that, that whole group. But I, just, I sort of witnessed Eddie Murphy's arrival. He was, must have been like eight, 19 or 20 years old. Yeah, and as brilliant, out of New York, as, and brilliant he was sensational. as he was. Oh, obviously he was, but like, where's he been? Where's he uh, been as lately? Funny, as funny as he, maybe he doesn't need to work, but as funny as spectacular as he was, Coming to America well, he's got, is a great movie. He's got... Shrek. Oh, he was the voice. Oh, that's good. Easy money. And he's got pick and choose money, too. I mean, I don't think he has to take every script that comes along. No, he doesn't. But I would think that he would do stand-up. I mean, you know, I think once that's in your blood, that you would want to continue to do it. Yeah. Maybe... But what uh, a tough way to make a living. 
Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. That could have become such a grind where if you don't have to do it or hit the road in that way, you take a long hiatus from it. This just in. Yeah. Coming to America 2 is now currently in production. Beautiful. How I about loved that? it. I love that first Arsenio one. Hall? In yes, it? Arsenio Hall. And where did he go? Well, you know, he had he had a smiley face man walk him off the set <laughs> in, in in New York I or, heard or him, L.A., wherever he was when he did that show. I heard him on a podcast recently interviewed, and he said, where did, whatever happened to Howard Sudbury? You know what I remember most about Arsenio, of all the shows that he did, was when he brought Millie Vanilli out to prove that they could sing. And they used to sing because uh, Millie Vanilli, I think, won a Grammy. Yeah. And uh, new discovered talent. But the rumor was that they could not sing. They weren't using their voices. And Arsenio brings them out on the show. And I think if you and I had gone out there, we could have done just as well. They were really bad. As, I mean, just oh, so they gave it a shot. Were, they gave it a shot, and they were just weren't, you know, weren't what they appeared to be. Now you did a little television show. People in Chicago knows that you did the weather for thirty years or whatever. But you had a little Sunday morning show for a while, didn't you? Yes, Sunday yes. with Steve. Sunday with Steve. Yeah. And would you have like guests on there? Yeah, it was kind of a, an odd show. Didn't know when, how to describe the thing. But we would have, uh, for instance, we had a, a woman that read uh, your coffee and could tell your fortune. The coffee lady. Uh -huh. I don't know if she called herself the coffee lady, but it, by you put the cream in your coffee in the way that it, uh, it, it wound the pattern that it made said something about your life or your fortune, and she would read your fortune by looking at the coffee. Did you ever get a rundown at the top? It said small that talk. It said small talk. No. <laughs> I had. Uh, Did you ever have any guests not show up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We've what, had guests not really? show up. Did yeah. any come to mind? Uh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Okay. You're like, uh, you? <laughs> is that, man, you got notes over there that I don't have. <laughs> what pages do you have that I don't have? You're talking so, about uh, Steve Harvey. Yes. Steve Harvey. Well, when we talked about this earlier, you were afraid to say his name and tell the story. Well, because... Because what? Uh, I don't know. So tell, I don't know. He may not recall it the way that I recall what happened. So what would happen? I don't know. If what, he you're sitting it over there like the tell pilot the story of... And a, then, I, it's suddenly, it's... Uh, every time I'm talking to you, I feel like it's Kane mutiny or something. <laughs> I don't... So... Anyway, you had been... He was a morning radio guy in Chicago for a while. What made me say Kane Mutiny? <laughs> you know, that was some old movie out of the 40s. Tony's All our right. executive producer. He's putting his, <laughs> he's putting his coat over his head. He's, um, <laughs> I can't take any more of this. No, we but, were going we to have a show, uh, uh, one of these episodes, uh, and um, he was going to be a guest because I was on his... I plugged the show on the radio show, and... He was very excited about coming in to tape the show. So we blew out everything else that could have been in the show. And the day of the taping comes, and he's not there. He's late, maybe an hour late, two hours late, three hours late. You know, you got crews. You can't wait but so long. So you have no show. I think we had no show. I don't know what we did, but we didn't, didn't have a show to do. And the next day, didn't know what happened. And the day after... <laughs> What happened? And then somebody from his uh, office says, oh, he just couldn't make it. <laughs> I said, what? He just couldn't make he couldn't it. Make he couldn't make it. He was, he was out of town. But he they had couldn't to be out call. Of town. I never got the call. So anyway, you were afraid to say his name because you thought, you told me that, the, that he might sue you. First of all, you got to assume that he's going to listen to this podcast. Well, but he will. Maybe out he'll, of 600,000, he will. He'll get the word, and what <laughs> would he? Right. What would he sue you for? For um, I don't know what you would call it. What? I don't know. You tell me. Is it character defamation of character? But uh, public it, figures can't inflammation you, of character. I don't know. How what about it would be. the you guys? Public figures can't be sued can't be for what? libel. Really? Is that true? Or 
they can't sue for libel or defamation of character. I think a public figure is that true. You have to prove that they have intent that you would have had the intent to harm his career by telling the story. Really? Yes. How much an hour are are you charging to be a lawyer? <laughs> Six hundred. The same as that pair of shoes you bought. <laughs> Ah. Would you call me for legal advice? Uh, no, I wouldn't. You, you, you phrased that quite well, but I still wouldn't call you for any kind or of legal advice. Or tax advice? No. Or, or medical advice? Uh, no. Out of the three, maybe, uh, maybe tax advice. But I remember when, when Richard Pryor uh, was sentenced after some kind of tax situation, he said to the judge, I forgot. And the judge went, you'll remember next year. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Probably happened that way, too. You think about it. They get him for that, and they get Al Capone for the same thing. That's the only thing they could get him for after all of his problems. Um, I would like to plug what I think is going to be an excellent new show because of the producer. And we would like to welcome a new show to the Opie family and Opie production, Good in Chicago. Yes. It's a web series available at www.opishows.com. Good in Chicago. And it is produced by the one and only Tony Lasano. And you said that well. He said the energy in your voice when you said that. Very, yeah, well, he finally perked up and started listening to the show when I said (laughs) it, when he heard Opie production. Is the shoes. Money, it must be the shoes. It's the shoes. Um, Back to the jersey thing real quickly, and then we'll wrap this this thing up. I've got a, when I was telling the story about leaving, the Bulls gave me a jersey, an authentic Bulls jersey with Sudbury on the back when I, left the That's station. Cool. That's cool. Now, would I look ridiculous if I wore that to, yes. a, to yes. a game? Yes. The only thing worse than wearing another man's name on your back <laughs> is wearing your name on your back. How that much is... would I have to pay you to have you wear it? And I'll go to the game with you. You Oh, and you and what would you wear to the uh, game? Just a regular shirt. Yeah. And I'm stuck with a Sudbury shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't think we could start at a figure that you could handle that would make. <laughs> By the way, you've gone out on the court in the past and played in these celebrity basketball games, right? Yeah, That's I used to of, play in a. I used to be able to shoot a little bit. Not you know. bragging, but I, you know, I practiced a lot, so I had a pretty decent shot. Yeah. So they used to have celebrity, so-called celebrity, um, three-point shooting contests down at the United Center. So I participated in some of those and i'll never forget one time so you start in the corner you know you rotate around to the wing to the top of the key to the other wing to the other corner i think it was four or five shots and in the corner i start and i hit my first four and i'm just consciously i can still remember the crowd starting to murmur a little bit like and i think i hit Two more shots. You'd be surprised how tired you get, your legs get, as you shoot that many shots in a row. You know, Larry Bird and guys like that are 6'9", or LeBron. It's just a flick of the wrist. When you're six feet tall, you've got to get your legs under you. But, yeah, I went out there, and you always said, looking down on the floor at me. Yeah. I said what? Yes. That I looked... The, like when the other oh, players, pro- oh yeah, when the, other, look, when the other players come out, sure, you look I, uh, short and stocky and girthy. <laughs> you don't look anything like a, yeah. a ball player because this would be at halftime. Now you probably so don't players, think, you, and you don't so think players, you look that way. I'm the, sure. No, so yeah. the players would start to, coming back out to warm yeah. up. Yeah, you know, for the second half of the game, and yeah. they'd be standing there, and I'd be standing <laughs> next to them in my. Real basketball <laughs> uniform, and you said I look boxy. <laughs> yeah, you look boxy. You, that's the best way to describe it. Where, but you think? I th- look. I think of all the uniforms: football, basketball, baseball. I don't know what else. What am I leaving? Like the major sports. I think the one Hockey. you'd look, the one you'd look worst in would be what? Got to be a basketball, basketball uniform. Sure. Yeah. You'd look boxiest in that. The one well, that, in football, you'd look fine because you'd have pads. Yes. And there are other boxy-looking guys Do you think around. that I could go into the huddle with the Bears and break the huddle and, like, in the running back position and people could look from 
way up at Soldier Field and say, that man's not a pro football of player? Of course. You would look <laughs> like one of the fourth stooges. <laughs> it would look like Moe and Curly and Larry and Nears Howard. I think you would stand out in any – only thing, only way you would not stand out would be in a baseball uniform because they're all grizzly, crusty guys as managers that were and coaches. Them. Yeah. Like Joe Madden. So not that I'm calling him that. Well, okay, guy, get that lawyer ready again. <laughs> What's the phone <laughs> what, number? What's the phone number of that lawyer? Yeah, um, true. Yeah, so I think he could get away with that, but not in a basketball uniform. All right, any closing thoughts? Any thoughts closing. at all? This is over? Yes. How do you how how do you think this went We're, if you had to rate it? Uh, I would say a three. Because you like <laughs> <laughs> That's what now, Tony um, always tells us. But he usually means on a five scale. I mean on a ten. Are you sure he means on a five scale? <laughs> no, I don't. You never, never really asked him that, did you? He's never told us. He just says three. Tony, how do you think it was? Uh, three. Three. Yeah. Three. Well, I I I don't want this to end because it means I got to get back in that car with you. Yes. I'm, I'm not looking drive. forward to that. I'm tired of that, the way you tie. And Alyssa was even worse. She says, I drive slowly. Yeah. And sure I don't. You do. That's part of the problem, but we don't want to go through that again. All right. Let's end this. Uh, special thanks to Chris's uh, chief engineer, Chris Swake, who is right there. Executive producer is? Another test. Why is this man? <laughs> why is, uh, is it Tony Lozano? Yeah, there you go. Very oh, good. Ding, 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 ding. And. Yeah. Ed Silha of the of the notes that I have written. The Radio Misfits there Podcast you, of course. Network. Yes. You got it right. Yes. How would you rate the show? Minus the test. <laughs> For a show that started off with notes about it that said small talk. I think we did fairly well. We went well. way too long then. We uh, talked about, uh, but see, this is all a part of the process of people getting to know us and knowing some of the experiences we've had. That's true. I mean, I really think that's uh, it's been fun sharing those. Every every time I show up with you in this setting, I learn something new, actually, about you. You know, I want to just say in closing, I think I said in closing about five minutes ago, but, but this time, for real, I think that uh, doing this has been as much fun, hanging out with you and Alyssa and, and these guys here, has been as much fun as anything that I did in broadcasting at Channel 2 because of the freedom. Yeah, because you only had a limited amount of time yeah. to, to say anything. That's exactly right. And so right. now with unlimited time, you take an hour and a half. All right. In yeah. clo uh, any closing thoughts? Oh, I said that. You did. How about just closing the whole thing? And I'll do it. I'll say yes. goodbye, everybody. And thanks for listening. All right. See Bye. Ya. See ya. I'm going to get the last word. I don't think so. Not this time. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. Take care. Bye. See you. The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Mom forgets baby. Rapping about credit card fraud. New dish, testicles in my salsa. <laughs> my, my brush with celebrities in New York City. And our Celebrity Minute will feature John Philo, Pulitzer Prize winner. All that and unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. The Tony Lasano Podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radio Misfits.com.